You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. So today I want to talk about honoring God with your body and maintaining spiritual and physical health in 2023. I really want us to maintain uh, spiritual and physical health in 2023. So when we fasted and prayed, we saw benefits for both. Spiritually, you grew. Spiritually, you felt more close to the Lord. By the way, it doesn't make you better than other people just because you fasted and prayed and other people don't. Uh, don't have a spirit, a, a spirit of self-righteousness or a religious spirit that goes, well, you know, you're less spiritual because you didn't participate this week. Instead, remain humble before the Lord. And so uh, I want to talk about some things that we can do to make sure that we are still spiritually and physically healthy in this new year. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, uh, the Corinthian church was a Gentile church, a church in Europe and uh, Asia Minor, and they had a problem. They did not see anything wrong with certain activities that were actually sinful. And they felt as though their body and spirit were two separate things. So because their body's not internal and their spirit was, they felt as though it didn't matter what they did with their bodies because eventually their bodies, would, they would die and their body would decay, but their spirit would live forever. So in their minds, it didn't really matter what they did with their bodies. Being a Gentile and not a Jewish community, they did not feel they were bound to the same rules of Christian Jews. And in their case, things like eating meat that was offered in idol worship, worshiping in pagan temples, associating with people uh, who were pagans and being part of pagan feasts and festivals, and also the loose sexual morals of their culture were hot-button topics that the Apostle Paul was asked to comment on. So the letter in First and Second Corinthians is written because elders from the Corinthian church went to Paul and wrote him, and they said, you know, these are the things that are going on in our church. Are these things right are they okay, or should they not? Should people not be involved in them? Because remember, the, the Corinthians were Gentiles and did not have the moral backgrounds of Jewish culture. Instead, they had their own culture, which was actually very permissive. And so he speaks about their bodies in 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20. And I want you to look at this with me. We're going to kind of go through it. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things uh, are are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members with Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and then make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one with her in her flesh? For it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Therefore flee sexual immorality and every other sin a person commits is outside of their body, but the sexually immoral person sins against their own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Or you have from God. 
that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. I want to focus on that one thought there is that, you know, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is the dwelling place where God's Spirit resides. And so there are four things that we can learn from this passage here. And the first thing is this, that everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Now, Paul's writing and he's saying, okay, listen, there are things that are not explicitly spelled out or that it's kind of, the word is kind of absent over, but there are things that you must be careful of overindulging in. So, looking at what the, the word has to say, you say, well, the word doesn't say anything about this issue, so therefore I can engage in it. But the question we must ask ourselves when it comes to physical activity, when it comes to the things we take into our body, things we involve ourselves in, we can say, yes, that might be okay, but should I be doing it? Just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should. Sound like a parent here, don't I? Just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should do it. Just because it is permissible doesn't mean it's necessarily beneficial. What you're doing is not necessarily good for you. Now, I'll give you some examples. There are times where the scriptures are absent about some things. So we say, okay, well, you know, uh, it doesn't say you can't drink, but it says don't be drunk with wine. But ask yourself the question, can it lead to that? Can it be something where maybe you have too many? We all have our threshold of what's okay for us to drink sometimes, right? Some people say, well, I'm good for three or four. But then if you actually look at the legal limits for the state of Massachusetts, usually two beers or one strong drink will put you over the legal limit, and technically you're driving buzzed. So is it beneficial to get pulled over? Is it beneficial to have those things happen to you? Well, probably not. There's nothing that's said against gambling in the scriptures, too. But can a person get deep into gambling and find themselves in debt? Possibly. Quite honestly, you could. What about recreational drugs? There's nothing against recreational drugs in the scriptures. But the word does say to be careful against intoxication and inebriation and things that would prevent you from making wise choices and decisions, that your judgment would not be impaired by anything. Yes, it is permissible because it's, there's nothing to be said about it, but is it beneficial? And so we have to look at the greater principles of God's Word that have to do with our thought process, the way that we live, what is healthy for us, and what is right in order to keep us on the right pathway. And if we do that, then we apply those principles to it, then we can actually make wiser decisions concerning what we allow. The second thing is this, is that our bodies are to be used to serve God, not our appetites. Our bodies are to be used to serve God and not our appetites. The Apostle Paul warns Christians not to pursue sinful indulgences, but to serve God with their bodies. And so he says, he warns them about, you know, food. He says, some people say, well, it doesn't matter what I eat because the body is just the food for the stomach and stomach for food was an expression, they said. It was a little motto they would sometimes use. They said, it doesn't really matter what I eat or where it even came from because, you know, the body is temporary. I'm going to die and one day I'm going to be in spirit with the Lord. But he says, you know, God's going to destroy both of those things. You know, the things that are temporary of this world, they're here now, but they'll be gone eventually. They will be no longer here anymore. But the question is, what is it doing to your soul when you are participating in these things? 
when we are given to gluttony, when we're overeating, when we're giving ourselves to things that are unhealthy for us, we must be wise and say, you know, this is not just my body, but this is God's body. Look at your neighbor and say, this is God's body. Say, this is God's body. Look at your neighbor. You know, I know it seems like bragging to you, but it's not. It's like, this is God's body. Question, are you taking care of this body the way that you should? Then Paul talks about sexual immorality, talks about don't unite with a prostitute, and all of us go, well, yeah, no kidding. But if you understand that back then in uh, the Corinthian church, you know, where they dwelt and where they lived, there was a culture there that was very promiscuous. Uh, There was a culture there that they had a temple for the Greek goddess Diana. And one of the ways that they would worship the goddess Diana is that you could go to the temple of Diana, the the goddess of love, and you could find a prostitute to worship Diana with sexual activity. And there there were Christians there that were part of the Corinthian church that says, what's the big deal about this? What's the problem? And Paul makes it clear that it's more than just about, you know, a, a, a separate culture, but he created sexual intimacy from the confines and bounds of marriage with one man one woman together married as one for the purpose of mutual enjoyment but also for the creation of family and so paul makes a very stark contrast here he says listen your spirit is united with christ and so and when two people come together you're they're united not only in body but also in spirit becoming one So he says, don't take your body, which has the Spirit of God, and unite it with this worship of Diana, this this prostitute worship in the temple, and then be joined in one with that, because that's completely contrary to what God created you for. He didn't save you to be able to participate in whatever you want to, but rather to, to be saved to participate in the things that give honor and glory to God. Listen, God has created appetites in us. We love food. We have a hunger for food. It's meant to satisfy. It's meant to nourish. It's meant to to give you energy. The confines of sex were designed by God so that man can have mutual enjoyment and create family. But these appetites should not drive the person. It should be our desire to please and serve God that drives us. So use your body to serve God and not your appetites. Thirdly, when we sin, we do harm to our bodies as well as our souls. Take a look at verses 18 through 20. It says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of their body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. So Paul talks about the sins that happen outside the body. Every other sin that you do happens outside your body. If you gossip, if you lie, if you sin, if you are anger, if you're angry, if you're jealous, if you're covetousness, these things are outside of your body. These things don't go into your body or affect your body. But rather, instead, the things that uh, you do in these areas, such as your health, the things that you consume and the things you participate in, whether it be drunkenness, gluttony, sexual immorality, these things actually do affect your body. And I'll even kind of take a little sidebar here. So we don't think that stress and worry and anxiety 
are necessarily bad things. But did you know that when you are stressed out, when you are worrying, what you're doing is your brain is actually creating a chemical called cortisol. And it's released from your adrenal gland in the back of your kidney. And what happens is when uh, your amygdala works in your brain and it releases that adrenaline, what it does is it heightens your ability. It gives you a, a burst of energy, and not always in good energy, because why? It's one or two things need to happen. You either fight or flee. That burst of adrenaline energy is meant to get you either out of the situation or fight your way out of the situation. When you are stressed out and you don't do anything with that, you just are sedentary, you veg out in front of the TV, you immerse yourself in social media, all that energy starts to dissipate because we're trying to calm ourselves down, but it doesn't dissipate. You know what it becomes? It forms plaque on the inside of your veins and the inside of your arteries. The plaque buildup narrows your veins and your arteries to the degree that you can have a heart attack or a stroke because of that. So that's doing damage to your body. So when you are stressed out, when you feel this all of a sudden burst of anxiousness, you know what you should do? Go for a walk. Go for a walk. Because why? You're burning off that energy you just got to be able to use it for activity, and your body goes, okay, we're out of the dangerous situation, so let's go through it. So we have to watch out for the things that we do that sin against our body. So he says, be careful about what you eat. Be careful about sexual immorality. He says, indulging in these things are not only sinful, but they're injurious to your body and injurious to your soul. For example, alcoholism can lead to liver and kidney failure heart disease, diabetes, and obesity, and respiratory issues because of overeating. Sexually transmitted diseases like HIV, HPV, and AIDS all threaten the immune system of the body if you are sexually active with multiple partners. To engage in these sins, Paul is saying you're sinning against yourself. And you're saying, well, I'm not harming anybody by doing this. And the truth is you are. You're harming yourself. You're doing harm to the body that you have been given by God. So to engage in these sins is to sin against one's own body and do harm to it. Fourthly, remember that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Next slide. The temple is a place of worship. We don't have temples today. You're here in sort of a temple. You're here at Living Hope Church worshiping with us. The church, the temple, is a place of devotion. It's a place of worship. It's a place to seek God and also to serve Him. It's a place where God's Spirit dwells. And when you were saved, when you decided to become a Christian, when you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, when you prayed that prayer to follow Him, something different happened. You are not just one person in a solidarity faith trying to follow after God. No, you said that you are now bought with a price. You now belong to the Lord. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, now dwells within you. So if you were to think of yourself uh, like a building like this church, imagine us coming together into this building. And we all gather together and we worship God. And we feel the presence of God fall down upon us. And we are encouraged. Maybe we weep. Maybe we uh, worship God in a greater degree. Maybe it moves us to uh, you know, repentance and conviction. And imagining that happening in this building. Now imagine that happening in this building. Imagine going through your life too and saying, you know what? My heart, 
My body is the place where God's spirit dwells along with my soul to work within me for God's greater glory and purposes. Do you view your body that way? No, really, think about this for a moment. Do you see your body like a temple of the Holy Spirit where God lives? I'm not talking about the misunderstanding that you see in the fitness community. The fitness community will say, my body is a temple. And all is spent building up their physique, toning and slimming, slimming themselves down, develop, developing muscle tone, going on diets, working out on a regular basis, and they say, my body is a temple. Yeah, the problem is the temple is the worship of self. It's not for the worship of God that they're doing it. They're doing it so they can flex in the mirror and look good. They're doing it so they can be imp- others can be impressed with them, and they almost have a religion of talking about their body. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about do we look at our body as the temple where God's Spirit dwells? Are you taking care of the temple that God has given you? Are you sleeping enough? Are you finding times of rest? I think if we were to go around the room, we would find out, no, we're not. Some of us are sleeping four hours a night. Some of us are restlessly sleeping through the night. You are not fully rested. There was a study that was done some time ago about stress and the effects of the lack of sleep on the body. And there was a government study that was done because they wanted to increase the resiliency of soldiers on the battlefield. And they found that soldiers that were on the battlefield that got less than seven hours of sleep, the effects on their cognitive ability, in other words, their ability to be able to think clearly and to make clear decisions, was impaired to the degree of someone who is lightly buzzed or drunk. I want you to think about that for a minute. So if you're not getting enough sleep at night, you are not fully rested. There's a little bit of an echo there. We can fix that. If you're not getting fully rested, then you are not at your full capacity to be able to make right decisions. And you're not being able to remember things as quickly as you used to. Are you resting? Are you eating right? If you were part of this last week of fasting and prayer, maybe you weren't eating at all. And maybe you were eating more healthy things. You notice the difference in your body. Are you eating right? Are you taking care of your body and not neglecting it? In other words, are you making sure that you are in good shape? When it's in need of repair and tending to, do you get it fixed up? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you going to the doctor and saying, yeah, I don't want to go to the doctor? You know, sometimes you need to go to the doctor. It's okay. You're not showing a lack of faith by going. Sometimes you find out what's wrong so you can pray more about what you're going through, okay? There are times you might actually need to go to the doctor. If you cut your hand, I don't think you're going to sew it up yourself unless you're really hardcore like that. There's times where you need to go to the doctor, okay? Just like this building. This building, there's times where it needs repair. Sometimes it needs a fresh coat of paint. Sometimes we need to fix the things right here. We honor God by fixing up this house. We honor God by keeping it operational. So you come in and it's not dirty or the rug's torn up or things are out of place. Notice that everything is where it should be. Why? Because when you come in, you don't have to think about anything else that's distracting you. All you have to think about is where am I going to sit and where am I going to worship this morning? So the same thing should be true of our body. We should take care of it, fix and repair it. And you might say to yourself, okay, is this self-help, Pastor Dan? Is this fitness message today? No. Why is this important? We're going to take a look at it. Okay. Next slide. Why is it important? And hearing what I says, because every year 
you are here on the, this earth is one more year to live for God. Every year that you are here on this earth is one more year for you to live for God. It's one more year in His service. It's one more year to enjoy your family, your children, your grandchildren. It's one more year to accomplish things that you want to accomplish in your life. It's one more year to experience the blessings of life. Well, you might say to yourself, Pastor Dan, it's like, you know, God knows the number of our days, and so, you know, it doesn't matter if I take care of myself or not, because God knows when my life is going to end. Right, but here's a question. How productive would those last few years of your life be? How active will you be in those last few years of your life? Will you, yes, you might die at 80, but what is 75 to 80 going to look like for you? Will you be able to get around and move around? Will you be able to do things? Will you be able to go out on your own? Will they take your driver's license away? Like, will you be able to do the things that you want to do for the Lord when the Lord moves you to do them or not? That's a real question to ask ourselves when we think about it. Take a look at what the psalmist writes, Psalms 90, verses 11 and 12. He says, The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. In other words, one day our days will be done. And verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to recognize how much time we have. Teach us to recognize and make the most of the time that you're on this earth and to gain godly instruction and wisdom and insight for life. So you might have only 70 or 80 years. You don't know. The Lord knows. But are you making the most of those years so that you'll be around and you'll be able and active to serve the Lord and do what he wants you to do? At the end of 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20, the phrase, glorify God with your body shows up. Methodist minister and commentary writer Joseph Benson wrote regarding this passage and when it comes to glorifying your God, God with your body, he says this, quote, use your body in patience, love, and purity by faith, hope, love, humility, meekness, gentleness, long-suffering, and universal benevolence. Yield all that you are in service to God. If you want to glorify God in the best way possible, show it by how you live and how you act and that the fruits of the Spirit would be active in your life so that others might glorify God. So that when people look at your life, they say, that's a man of God, that's a woman of God. Not just because you know how to pray, not because you're a convincing and compelling preacher, but because of the way you live, you say, that's a godly man or a godly woman. Live your life to glorify God. If you've been fasting and praying with us, you probably feel very close to God right now. But how do you maintain your spiritually healthy attitude? We've talked about your physical body, but what about your spirit? You know, keeping yourself physically healthy. Some of us understand that. Some of you guys are at the keto. Some of you guys are, you know, eating, you know, going on different diets. Some of you guys are at the gym, exercising, going for walks. So some of you know exactly what to do when it comes to being physically healthy. But what about being spiritually healthy? What are some things that you can do to maintain spiritual health? And I know what you're thinking. You're saying, well, Pastor Dan, you're going to say to read the Bible and pray and worship, right? No. That, those are things that you should have been doing this last week. I'm talking about in addition to those things. Yes, you should be reading the Bible. Yes, you should be praying. Yes, you should be spending daily time in worship with the Lord. That's a given. 
I don't have to preach to you on that, although I may at another date. But I want you to look at some of the things. Just as important as what you regulate what comes into your body if you're trying to be physically healthy, there are things that you need to regulate coming into your spirit man or woman, your spiritual body, that you need to be careful what you take in. So I'm going to just share four very brief things with you about things that you need to be careful on what you take in with your spiritual body. First of all, be careful with what you take in with your eyes. I'll also add some other things here. What you take in with your ears as well. What you see, what you listen to. Everything affects your perception of things. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 22 and 23, he said, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? In other passages in the gospel, Jesus follows it up by saying, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Now, Jesus is not advocating self-mutilation. Please don't come next week with an eye patch and a hook like a pirate, okay? I was just following the scripture. It's literal. You know, we literal translation of the scriptures, Pastor. No. What he's saying is, like, it's better for, to remove the part that is the offense and to get into heaven than to hold on to that part that is offensive and miss heaven. But Jesus makes an important point here. He says, you have heard that the eyes are the window of the soul, but Jesus says that the eyes are actually the lamp of the body. Our eyes guide our perception for depth and distance. If you're driving and you don't have, you know, you have eye problems and you don't have prescription glasses, your depth perception is a little off to the degree that you may not even be able to, to drive or work because you can't see clearly. It's with our eyes we read and comprehend. It's with our eyes we take in information and entertainment, news and movies and shows. What we take in with our eyes lights the way for our understanding. If we let things into our eyes that are ethically questionable, morally inappropriate, patently false or violent, it will affect your mind and your heart. You ever sit and watch something and was grieved later? You should shut it off if it's grieving you. If it troubles you by watching it, turn it off. Find something else. Don't just sit through it because, you know, what happens, you become desensitized to it. So that things like violence and things like foul language and things like sexual activity and immorality on the TV, it doesn't bother you anymore. If you get to that point, you're becoming calloused in your conscience. Your conscience is becoming seared with a hot iron, and you're not bothered by those things anymore. What we allow into our life through our eyes and our ears affects our thoughts and decisions. If it becomes darkened, then how great is that darkness? One thing about darkness is just like when the sun goes down, darkness kind of creeps up on you. Like you're outside doing stuff, yard work, and then all of a sudden you realize, ah, oh, it's getting dark out. Outside maybe you're playing sports or doing an activity, and then all of a sudden, ah, oh, the sun's going down. Darkness kind of comes up on you, uh, it sneaks up on you slowly. You don't realize it's dark until it's dark. And so the Lord is saying to us, be careful what you take in with your eyes. If you're not careful, you can sway, stray from the light of God's truth 
into spiritual darkness. Now, instead of this, it says in John, 1 John 1, 7, remain in the light. If we walk in the light as he, Christ is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. So how do we keep from darkness? We are careful what we take in with our eyes and ears, and we gravitate and go back to the things that are light. We draw ourselves back to that. So if you saw something that grieved you, go back to something that brings light into your heart and your spirit. Secondly, be careful what you allow into your heart. Proverbs 4, 23 says this, keep your hearts with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Other translations say, guard your heart, for it is the wellsprings of life. Your heart is the seat of your emotions. Your heart can become broken. Your heart can become bitter. Your heart can become angry, discouraged, depressed. Your heart can also become hardened. What breaks the heart is also usually what hardens the heart. When you go through experiences that you don't enjoy, when people mistreat you, when you've been through some heartbreak, whether it be through a divorce or the death of a child or you have the loss of a job or the betrayal of a friend, these things break us first, and then there's a real opportunity for your heart to become hard. To the point that there's very few emotions you feel except frustration and anger and sarcasm and bitterness. I'm not saying that everybody who's sarcastic is bitter, because I'm pretty sarcastic as well. But there's a root there where some of that has to do with disappointments we've been through, th- things that we've been through that helps, that uh, we find coping mechanisms to help us through those things. But don't let your heart become hard or darkened or troubled. Guard your heart. In other words, put up safety uh, guardrails to protect your heart. Recognize that there are people that can break your heart or hurt your heart. Recognize situations that are familiar from previous heartbreaks and allow yourself to be careful and guard your heart. Don't let anything that comes in to corrupt your heart. We need the Holy Spirit to help help us. God's Word gives us counsel to protect our hearts its principles warns us about the pains of life so you can avoid them. So there are things that are in God's Word that look like rules to us, but they're actually instructions to prevent you from experiencing heartbreak and pain and difficulty. So if we willfully ignore them, sometimes we crash into that brick wall and we're like, well, how did this happen? And the truth is, God said, I wanted you to avoid that. That's why I said don't do it. I didn't say don't do it because I don't want you to have any fun in your life. I just want you to know what the end result of those things are. If you have a hard heart, if you have a broken heart, ask the Holy Spirit to help your heart. To forgive, to let go, and to grow in spite of what you've been through. I know what you're thinking. You've been through some things with some people, and you said, they don't deserve my forgiveness, and I really don't want to forgive them. But it's not about them. It's about you and your heart between you and God. It's about your overall spiritual health and the condition of your soul. Hearts harden because broken hearts becomes hard hearts. Hearts grow bitter because the root, what you've been through, plants a seed in your heart that brings up a lying tree inside of you that everyone else can't be trusted. Really, not a single person? No man can be trusted. No woman can be trusted. Why? Because you were through a bad relationship? 
It's bringing forth the seeds of a lie into your heart and a tree that will sprout out from that that is not accurate. And the fruit is always sour. The fruit is always bitter. You'll sit there and eat it and you'll, ugh, but you'll still keep eating it because it's all you've got. Hear me now today that sometimes the only fruit that a bitter heart will produce are sour and bitter things. So choose to forgive, not for the sake of the other person. Believe me, God's going to deal with that person. There's a principle of sowing and reaping in the scriptures that is prevalent and strong. God will make sure that those who sow certain things will reap certain things. And ironically enough, God might be the one that gives you the compassion for the person that's going through absolute hell that you might be able to be a voice for them in their time of difficulty. But be careful what you allow to grow and sprout out in your heart. Allow God to help you to forgive. Holy Spirit, work in me. Heal the broken parts of my heart. Holy Spirit, work in me to forgive those that have wronged me. Why? Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in your heart is what's going to come out of your mouth. Not on Sunday, because on Sunday we're on our best behavior. Not on Sunday, because Sunday is when you come dressed up and you look right and, you know, you're, you're trying to be kind, you're trying to be polite, you're trying to be nice. But we are like toothpaste tubes. The pressures of life, when they squeeze on us, whatever's on the inside comes out. I know that sounds gross. But whatever's on the inside that you've put in all week long will come out somewhere else when you're pressed and when you're stressed. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what have you been entertaining yourself with this week? It's going to come out. What have you been doing this week? What have you been putting into your life, whatever you've been feeding your spirit and your soul is going to come out and sometimes it's going to be it's not going to be pretty. The things that you say to people are not going to be good. The way that you react to someone like you should not react when you're angry like a person who's possessed. Okay? I'm just going to say that as a Christian. Stop manifesting whatever it is that's manifesting there. Like that kid should not be there in the heart of a Christian. But what's going on there? You haven't fully given all of your heart over to the Lord. The true test of whether or not you are living this out is what happens when you're stressed and pressed. What happens when things are going on in your life? Are you speaking words of life or are you speaking anger, frustration, cursing, all of those things? Thirdly, be careful what you speak with your lips. Jesus said this in Matthew 15, verses 10 and 11. Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not make them unclean. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what makes them unclean. Now, Jesus is speaking this and addressing the Pharisees and religious leaders of the day who were more concerned with uh, the ceremonial foods that were clean or unclean rather than how they conducted their character. Privately, they would say slanderous things and they would gossip and be jealous of people, but they would still eat the right foods. They never ate anything that wasn't kosher or unclean. They always made sure they ate the right things. And Jesus is saying, that's not what makes you unclean. What makes you unclean is what comes out of your mouth. God's not nearly as concerned with what we eat as much as what we say. If you want to be spiritually healthy and keep this temple clean, avoid the sins of speech. Lying, gossip, slander, giving false testimony, swearing, cursing, all these things are what the scriptures warn us against. 
These things are a detriment to your testimony as Christians and to your soul. Another component about the Christian life is our confession. It's with the confession of our mouth from the belief in our hearts that we are saved. Romans 10.9 says that. If you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So there's this element where when we speak, it brings life. That's how we receive salvation. If you didn't know that, by the way, it's not just believing in your mind. It's confessing with your mouth. And when you confess, that's how we are saved, okay? It is our confession. Likewise, too, it also says in Proverbs 18, 21, it tells us that the tongue has the power to give life or to take it. In other words, our words can either strengthen someone's life or discourage. So what we say about God and people comes from what's going on in our hearts. Our words can negatively affect us and the ones around us and even our ability to receive answers for prayer. Hear me when I say that. Your negativity can be a detriment to the answers of prayer. And I'm not speaking purely superstitiously here, okay? If you have a negative outlook on life, not only in your prayers and your conversation with God, chances are you have a negative outlook on life with every conversation, including interviews with potential employers. You may sit across the desk from someone who is interviewing you, and because your unconscious uh, will is towards the negative, what you say is going to be couched in the negative. So it can affect you in a way. So what you speak becomes your reality. So if you're praying in faith and saying, you know, God, do this and do that, and you go around saying, like, I'll never be this. I'll never that be that. I'll never get out of debt. I'll never have a different job. I'm never going to get married. I'm going to get old. Then your perception will become your reality because that's where your mind is focused. That's where you've been conditioned by the world or experiences you've been in. But that's not God's will for you. That's not God's plan for your life. So what do we do? We say the things that His Word says about us, even if you don't necessarily fully, 100%, believe it for yourself. You declare it. You read God's Word. You say, Lord, your Word says this. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I trust you, and I pray that you'd help me in this area. Be someone that when people talk to you, you are not negative. Holy Spirit, is that you? <laughs> Be a person that when you speak, you are bringing words of life. You're bringing words of encouragement to people because there's enough negativity in this world. I'm not saying don't acknowledge the things that are wrong. But how you say it is immensely important for that person to receive it or not. Be a person that brings life into situations and encouragement and joy by who you are and what you say. Finally, last thing. Be careful with what you think with your mind. You know, there's not much you can do if your mind is not sharp. You could be physically healthy, but without a sharp mind, you can't do anything. You can't dress yourself. You can't move around. You can't go anywhere. You could be perfectly groomed and healthy on the outside, but if your mind is not there, then you will not be able to do anything. This is why concussions, dementia, and Alzheimer's are so devastating to a human being because they lose the biggest part of who they are. They can seem strong on the outside, but on the inside, they're wasting away. So your mind needs to be strong. You need to make sure that you are careful what you take into your mind. The mind is the battleground for your soul. 
So it is here that you contend with your thoughts. Your mind is always working. Your mind is always thinking. You might be sitting here and be thinking about what your lunch plans are. You might be sitting here and think to yourself, when is he going to be done with his sermon? I don't know. There's a bunch of different things that you're thinking about right now. Hopefully you're thinking about the things of God. But your mind is the place where your thoughts fight with each other and contend with each other. The book of Romans chapter 7 tells us that, you know, flesh and spirit war against each other. Our sinful nature, our selfish desires fight with the Spirit of God that wants what God wants to do, what's pleasing in His sight. It's there, this is where you fight with these thoughts. Sometimes we have worried thoughts. Sometimes we have fearful thoughts. Sometimes we have anxious thoughts. Sometimes we have negative thoughts. Sometimes we have thoughts of doubt and discouragement. And other times our thoughts become dark, filled with temptation and sin when we are alone. Remember, every temptation starts with a thought. Chances are, it either came to you in your own mind, or you saw something that tempted you, or someone tempted you, or the enemy put a thought in your mind that you didn't know or have any idea where it came from. What you choose to do with that is immensely important. It's happening in your mind. You're thinking about it. So if you're thinking about it, you'll get your emotions involved and you'll want to do it. So what do you do with that thought? When it comes to you, put it out. Rebuke it. Pray against it. Sometimes we're trying so hard to say, God, deliver me from temptation. Deliver me from temptation. He gave you something to deliver you from temptation. He gave you a spirit, and he gave you a mind. Use it. Say to yourself, I shouldn't be here. Right? I shouldn't be in this place. This is a bad scene. I'm going to fall backwards into what I used to be in. Or I shouldn't be with this person. Or I don't need to go by this route that I always go by on my way home that I'm always tempted. I don't need to have that thing that I usually have in order to, to find uh, uh, peace and to settle my restless spirit. Instead, use the mind that God gave you. Romans 12, 2 says this, 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. So you might prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Present your life as a sacrifice. That means give yourself as service to him means giving up things is sometimes a sacrifice as well. Let God transform and renew your mind with his word and spirit to help you change your way of thinking from self-centered and a worldly way of thinking to a God-directed, sacrificial, and pleasing way of thinking. Things become clearer when we ask God to direct our thoughts. When we say to God, God, I filled my mind with 25 years, 35 years of you know, sinful indulgences, things that the world has taught me, things that my family heritage has taught me, things that uh, my workplace has taught me, and that's your reaction, that's your thought process. But ask God to change that so that your thinking becomes scriptural, biblical, godly, led by God's Spirit. If you fight against the thoughts that come into your head that are not of God, and you combat them not only with scripture, but with what is common sense according to what God has given you, then you'll be able to stave off these feelings of doubt, fear, anxiety, temptation, because you'll be grounded and rooted with what is right. 
but you have to take in what is good and what is pleasing to the Lord. Once you do that, you'll be able to see what God's will is. Some of people ask, well, God, what's your will? You'll be able to know what God's will is once you are on the right path with the right thoughts and thinking and following godly ways. You won't have to ask yourself, should I take this job or not? Because you'll know, is this job, according to your word, going against what I should be doing in terms of my character, in terms of my life? And you'll be able to make the right decisions there. God will lead you by His Spirit that when you pray, you'll know what to do because inside your heart, you'll either be unsettled or you'll be at peace. Let God lead you and show you what is right. Again, how do we maintain our spiritual health? Be careful what you take in with your eyes. Be careful what you allow into your heart. Be careful what you speak with your lips. And be careful what you think with your mind. Instead, give your heart and your spirit over to the Lord. As I conclude, I want to remind you again, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you viewing it that way? Do you look at your body as the temple of the Holy Spirit? Maybe God's going to work on your heart to say, I need to take better care of myself this year because I want the Lord to have all of my years, not just the ones that are the good years, the young years, but that I know my day will eventually come where the Lord will call me home. I know the day will come where I'll eventually die, but I want every moment up until that point to be me to be fully able, aware, and active for the kingdom. Amen? That your desire this year would be that your heart would be inclined that, God, I'm going to honor you with my life. There's something that will come to you as you walk about your life and when you face temptations and when you're confronted with different things, when you start looking at yourself as, no, God's spirit's in here and I'm not going to unite this spirit with anything else. This is God's body and I'm to be used for God's glory and service to him doing whatever good he asked me to do. And that the Spirit of God that dwells within you will not only help you to live for Him, but He'll use you to be a blessing to someone else. That you can pray for someone, and you'll see the prayer take place. That you'll encourage someone, and it'll be exactly the words that the person needs to hear. You'll be able to be there for someone, and you'll be there right at the exact moment that they needed you. Why? Because you chose to not follow after the appetites of this body, but rather the desires and the dictates of God's Spirit. So that God, this body's for you, and this body's on the move. That whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do for you. If you fall, if you stumble, get up, wipe yourself off, and try again. Brush off your failures and your shortcomings and say, I'm going to try better today. Don't build up a, uh, a case history of all the things you've messed up on and say, well, I can't do it. Start again today. Will you start again? I'm going to close this in prayer this morning that God would help us with this. My desire for you is that you would have a heart inclined to follow after God and say, God, this is your body. That might even be your prayer this morning. God, my life is yours. And any appetite that gets in the way of what you want, I don't want to have that in my life anymore. I don't want to be mastered by that or led by that. I want to be led by your spirit. 
God might be working in your heart to break certain habits off that are unhealthy physically and spiritually. Smoking, drinking, recreational drug use, sexual immorality. There might be things that God might be putting on your heart this morning and saying to you, these things need to go because you're being driven by other appetites. The de desire for success or for approval from others. Things that are contrary to what God's Spirit would want to you. May today be the day that you say, no more. Instead, this body belongs to the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you this morning that you have saved us. You've called us by name. Lord, we belong to you and no one else. The scriptures say we were bought with a price and how great that price was. Your death on a cross for us. It was not a cheap death. It was not a cheap price that was paid, but you gave everything so that we might be saved. This morning, I pray, help us to look at our life differently. Lord, help us to say this body, this temple, this place of worship in our bodies is yours to be used for your service. And help us, God, to leave things behind that are spiritually and physically unhealthy and to follow full-hearted after you. Help us with this desire, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that each person that decides to do this today would see you work in them to a greater degree. May your spirit lead and guide their pathways, their conversations, their decision-making, and I pray there'd be great testimonies of what you're doing in people's lives because of that. Answers to prayer, exciting moments where they saw God move because they were obedient to you. We ask that you would help us with this, Holy Spirit. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.